listeners. You're listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies. We're your hosts, Sarah Cho. And Sam Collier. And today we're going to be talking about teaching. So both of us have taught playwriting. And um, right now I'm teaching a writing class that's not specifically about playwriting. But since this is the first week of classes, I've been thinking a lot about how we teach writing in general. Some people say you can't teach talent, you but you can teach craft. And some people say um, there's no really value in a playwriting class. People just need to write plays and <laughs> put them up on their feet and see what works and what doesn't. And then other people really ascribe to the idea of um classes and how a teacher can guide a student to become a stronger writer. So, um, yeah, so we thought we'd talk about some best practices that we have discovered and um, other questions that we've come across. So, Sarah, Mm -hmm. what do you think? What do you think about this whole idea of teaching writing? (sighs) Teaching writing. Um but more specifically creative writing. Yeah. And even Um, more specifically playwriting, playwriting. Um, you know, I think that, I think it is an important class, um, to teach in terms of really getting in touch with your humanity. Like, (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's and I think there's something in from what I remember from all my classes in playwriting was so much you have these like really juicy conversations that I remember having to re- that going into like a psyche of a person and like the psychology mm-hmm. of a person and and really making understanding why a person t- like it's it was a fun in that sense and you know you just become more empathetic. I really like that you're talking about it that way because it seems to me there's value in taking a playwriting class just as part of a general liberal arts education. Even if somebody is going into medicine or law or like the business world, that there's value in studying the art of conversation and storytelling for, for the, to help them become a better person. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, that's how I always felt. I, I think that was a huge draw where I always want to sign up for those classes because I felt more connected in some way into the world or something through the lens of playwriting and theater versus, you know, I don't know what, even a psychology class. I, it was, you're so, you're looking at everything so objectively. Yeah. But you're, you're in playwriting or creative writing, we're forced to really think about that individual, their point of view, and why it's important. And it could be multiple characters. And then you're, so it's kind of that way of thinking. I just, yeah, I just appreciated that, that I want to connect with people because of it. So when you were teaching playwriting, did you think about um, what, assignments you could give the students or readings that would help um grow them as human beings yes like like specific (laughs) things you wanted them to learn Um, about psychology or i it 
when I was creating the syllabus for the class, I, I just remember thinking sort of the combination of a lot of things. It was like my old favorites that I've read that changed my life that I yeah. was hoping that maybe mm-hmm. someone in my class will change their lives too. Like I had those selection. Like, I'm um, sorry, like buried child. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I'm always like thinking kind of like connecting, you know, this week we're learning more about families and then the next week we'll let's look into diverse groups or, you know, something. I was just kind of like thinking a little bit like personal, political to theoretical, like just like a different variety of things, but also it would cool. so like thematic mm-hmm. themes for different weeks. Yeah. And then I would also include plays like being like, well, you know, I never read this play. And then I want to learn what the kids do. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That was sort of like my own selfish thing. Uh, and I don't think that's selfish like, at all. It's not? I don't know. I thought it was. <laughs> no, I think if the if the teacher or professor is engaged in a learning process over the course of the semester, then that makes them a better educator because mm. um, it's like they have some skin in the game. I mean, I, I really think the the – least inspiring professors are the ones who think, well, I know everything about this already. And my job is just to bestow my knowledge upon the students. Yeah. I've had professors that you could tell they just regurgitating the same thing over and over and over. So it just like really leaves you uninspired. Right. Even they seem uninspired anymore. They're just, right. they're just doing their job. And it, when it becomes like that, yeah, and so if you design a syllabus thinking, oh, I want to learn more about this thing, then you're, you've got some skin in the game and you're pursuing uh, a line of inquiry just, to, just as you're expecting the students to. So what, um, what kinds of writing exercises did you give to your students? If you can remember. I know it was a while ago. Um, when I was picking those exercises, it's like I was I, I don't, I'm always constantly thinking, well, what is the objective of this exercise? Like what do I mm-hmm. want? What's the purpose of it? Um, couple that comes to mind. Like one exercise that I think I'm sure I learned from my undergrad when I took a player when I took a playwriting class. Um, but also I, was, I think I was adapting it from like an improv comedy point of view. But mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted the students to do was like a one page, like just this like stream of consciousness, but like it's a rant about something. Cool. Like you're just like rant about it and just go like, do not censor yourself. Do not cross anything out. Don't, if you have to end up, if you end up like just writing the same word over and over again, that's fine. Just don't look back or don't think, just keep constantly moving forward and then I would have them like highlight any three to four lines that just really pop out at them. And then mm-hmm. that's the start of the first or two lines of dialogue. Ooh, what a great exercise. Yeah. And it's something I, I, I think I still do that today. But And what did you that. want them to learn from that? I think I want them to learn that. Well, for me, when I learned that exercise or in class and in improv, this like idea of not censoring yourself, sometimes because we we overthink things and then we, you know, nothing comes out of us. <laughs> We're just like, you're just looking at a blank page. And I'm, I think this idea yeah. of like overcoming that fear 
It's yeah. like, it's like, just go for it. There's like, <laughs> there's nothing to be afraid of. And just, you don't know what's going to come out of you, you know? I love that. Yeah. I'm going to try that myself. It's, it's fun. <laughs> um, and then I like the other exercise and I think we should talk about this show I still don't know the name and then you keep telling me what the name is but you know where you like write a dialogue and you fold a bag and you pass it over oh yeah pages. exquisite corpse yes I'll never remember um, yeah that's a good one I, lo- I just love that one because I, I just love this idea you're sharing this like community just around you the people and it's this letting go of the ownership of it and kind of freeing mm-hmm. yourself from that and being like, oh, sometimes what you say or do could inspire something else for another person too, you know? Mm-hmm. So I like that one. Those are probably my two favorite exercises. I'm thinking about when I taught French writers last year, um, we, in our playwriting unit, we read the book Backwards and Forwards by David Ball, which is about dramatic structure. And I think it's um, really intended for directors, but I found it incredibly useful for teaching playwriting. And one of the things he talks about is this idea of triggers and heaps, that every action is composed of two events, um, one thing causing a second thing. And so for people who are just starting to write plays, it can be helpful um, for them to think about each action being composed of two events. Because often what happens when I'm teaching playwriting is I'll, I'll get a play from a student where things kind of happen for no reason or out of left field and um, one event happens that's completely unrelated to another event, or they're kind of related, but one hasn't caused the other. And so I think this book is helpful in getting them to think about the immediate consequences of an event or the um, immediate cause of an event. And so I gave them this exercise where they were working in groups where um I think together as a class, we came up with an opening event, which (laughs) was um, one guy discovering like his best friend in bed with his girlfriend or something like that. Mm. And then um, I can't totally remember, but then in groups, they had to they had to come up with a series of events that followed from that first event and everything had to be directly linked to the, the event before. So they couldn't just have somebody show up for no reason or, um, you know, suddenly we're in a different location. Everything had to follow. And it was really fun for them then to compare the different trajectories the stories had taken. Mm. So that was a group exercise, but then I led that. I I used that to build into a an individual writing exercise that they did for me. So um, let's talk about workshops. So often writing classes have a workshop component where students bring in their plays or their if it's a different kind of genre, whatever piece of writing they've done, and then the class workshops it. 
So when you were setting up workshop in your playwriting class, how did you approach it? And what kinds of things did you want the students to talk about or think about during workshop? Oh boy, workshopping. Especially if your class is in the afternoon or something after a long lunch. It's <laughs> I just remember it was like a huge struggle. Or what about six thirty PM on a Monday it's night? Like even harder. <laughs> um, there's just something like nobody wants to I've always had a struggle of nobody wanting to talk. Like Uh huh. Yeah. And, and then it, I think partly maybe because uh maybe it's the questions I was asking or I think the, maybe the moment where I was, I would provide feedback, but I was maybe I had, I, I remember feeling like thinking that I need to shift my feedback in a way that is, it sounds kind of dumb, but true, like, but insightful where people were like, oh, like I should, be, I should be okay to say things too. <laughs> like, I don't know. Oh, like, it's like, yeah. I had to, it's like, I had to like give permission to say things, but as an instructor, you're also wanting to protect the student, the work, mm-hmm. and not, you know, so they're not walking away feeling like they hate life uh, mm-hmm. for sharing their work. So I think it was like asking specific questions in a way that students just <laughs> could speak. Because <laughs> it was just, oh man, it was just so hard. And then I didn't, because it ended up sounding like I'm just talking the entire time and it was exhausting where I wanted to have an open conversation. Yeah. Um, I think this is one of the hardest things for teaching college classes, regardless of the subject, is just getting students to talk. And yeah, as you said, especially if it's in the afternoon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, so, but did you ever use the questions that we used in our workshop? Like, I I find a good way to open a discussion is um, with the classic dare club what popped or yeah. I guess mm-hmm. any of our professors, you know, yeah. just inviting listeners to respond with an image or a phrase or a word that they heard in the play that, that, um, that stuck out to them. I definitely adopted the structure that we did for our workshopping, our plays. And I don't know, it's, it's, it was always so different. Like it was just like, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Sometimes the students had nothing to say about this play, or some people want had a lot to say. I think looking back now, I think what it kind of would have done maybe is students like as a homework wrote on a paper, you know, like Mm -hmm. the the three or three to five thoughts, pops, um, images that came to your mind, or while reading the play, what questions do you have, and just Mm -hmm. like bring them with them to class because maybe it'll help with some people who just don't know what to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like maybe they read the play prior to workshop mm-hmm. for homework and, mm-hmm. and write down some ideas. And then, because one of the things I've always found interesting that's different about workshopping a play versus workshopping poetry or prose is that the convention, at least as I've encountered it in a playwriting course is you bring your play to class and people read it out loud mm-hmm. and then respond. Yeah. Whereas in other genres, um, people are given the piece a week before a workshop or something like that. And then they have time to read it and come up with 
some responses and write down their thoughts. And then in class, they share those thoughts. But, but you're, And maybe you have the writer read um, like an excerpt so you can hear it in their voice. But there's a lot of prep work that the respondents are doing beforehand. Mm. This reminds me, not related to class, but I remember when my sister was taking a literature class and in college, and it was a Tennessee Williams play. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't get this play. I don't get it. I just And then I just remember, I was like, well, let's read it out loud. Mm. And, and we just kind of like sat together in the living room, like back and forth, we were like, Exchange line, exchange lines are like I read a portion, and my sister was like laughing her head off, like "Wow, this is so funny!" I did not realize how funny this play was when I was yeah. just reading it on my own, and I'm like, "Yeah," and I didn't know that either. I was like, "Wow, yeah, Tennessee Williams is really funny." <laughs> like I, I thought he was always so serious. Like there was a lot of enlightenment you get, kind of get when you mm-hmm. read out loud, so because you, because I think when you're reading alone, <laughs> like in your mind maybe we put the meaning on ourselves, like put the meaning mm-hmm. um, on our own rather than, but when you hear it out loud, it's like the writer's meaning comes through way more. But yeah, the, absolutely. the intention is, but yeah, that just reminded me uh, that time I had with my sister, we just read Tennessee will play out loud. That'll never happen again. What a beautiful moment. <laughs> It'll it never could happen. happen again. No, I we will not. <laughs> She's a mom now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the hardest things about teaching plays, teaching a play literature class or teaching, you know, play texts as part of a play writing class, because you have to convey to the students that reading a play is really different from reading mm-hmm. a novel in that they have to hear it, whether they read it out loud with their sister or they, you know, are kind of putting in the mental energy as they read to distinguish the different voices and really try to hear it in their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like other kinds of writing because you you have to supply that kind of other dimension. Mm. And, and I think students don't know that. And so you have to teach them how to do that. I remember so conditioned to just like not really speak my mind <laughs> or, you know, I'm just like, Oh, mm-hmm. sharing your thoughts on the work or whatever. Um, you mean when you were a student, when I was a student, because in high school, right. Or in middle school, you're like, tell everyone telling the teachers telling you to shut up, listen to him, <laughs> listen to her. Like I'll give you permission when to talk. So almost always by default, you just don't want to talk. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll just do the homework, I'll read, and I'll do my tests and my paper, my essays, and I'm done. Like, there's no communication other than that, other than the, the grade that you got on your paper. But when mm-hmm. you go into college, you're like, you're, you're being told, now speak your mind, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, what? Um, I know. I've been all week, I've been arranging my classes into putting the tables in a circle rather than in rows, mm-hmm. or I guess a rectangle. Um, rather than rows. And yeah, some of my students are really taken aback by that, especially the first years. I think they're asking me, can't we just sit in rows? (laughs) And I said, no, there's nowhere to hide. 
amazing. <laughs> Wait, did you say um, that? There's nowhere to hide. That's what amazing. I said. I said no so hiding. Like, you no have to hiding. be able to see each other. Yeah. Well, what about grading? I have one more question for you. How do you grade creative work, Sarah? I, for me, honestly, I based on the assignment of that week, like because if it was a specific exercise, mm-hmm. and I think for me, I had to create the the rules. Like, did you do what I said? You know, like, did you write <laughs> the eight pages, even if it was right. hard? Did you write eight mm-hmm. pages? Did you like things that are tangible and mm-hmm. real, like that could be accomplished? If they did that, I was it was just like a completed work because I was like, for me, I don't know. For me, it was just hard for me to grade personalities. <laughs> I don't know, like their right. point of views. I was like, I don't know how to do that. But the on the technicality scale, like, yes, like I could do, I could grade that. It's so hard. It's really hard to tell the difference between, um, I find, between taste and mm-hmm. like uh, talent, you know? And, and so... One way to grade is like, did they follow the requirements of the assignment? But but once you get into, you know, do you want to evaluate? Do you want to be able to distinguish between somebody who writes like a really moving, excellent, beautiful play mm-hmm. that makes you feel something, mm-hmm. and somebody who writes a play that follows all the requirements but doesn't really doesn't move you? You know, doesn't doesn't really mean anything mm-hmm. and I mean boy how do you do that sometimes it's really clear and other times it's not clear at all did you in your playwriting classes did you ever meet your students one-on-one like, yeah I always yeah. did that yeah I think if they was- showed up <laughs> well at the end of the semester <sighs> what I would do is like require them to be like here here are the times scheduled uh, me meeting too, with me but sometimes then, they, they would be a no-show and then I failed them <laughs> <laughs> nobody stands up Joe <laughs> um just kidding oh um but those but then when I met with them one-on-one that I feel like that was such a important mm-hmm. meeting for me to get to know them like one-on-one and seeing where they're coming from I'm like oh so that's why you like to write about gerbils <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just gives me a little more insight. So then I'm like, when the final grades go in, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I, I can't even see the trend why they did this or I don't yeah. know. Gives a little That's more really insight. <laughs> nobody, nobody stands on me. <laughs> I haven't stood up. Would you ever, if somebody didn't meet the requirements, but they wrote a really powerful piece, how would you grade that? Like maybe it was supposed to be 10 pages, but it was five pages, but it was really good. Remarkable five pages. Yeah. Like I, I just don't understand why you could do another five more of it. Really? So would you give them a failing grade? I, I don't, I don't No, I'm not failing grade. I'll never I'll like give a failing a C? grade. Would you give them like a C? I mean, what if it was really uh-huh. beautiful? Like, I'm asking you these questions because I'm struggling. But that, what is beautiful? It's also subjective. But also, like, what am I promoting yeah. here? That you're, like, not putting in the work. I'm letting you get by in the world just with your good looks. 
(laughs) That's what it like equally. That's what it says. But think about the real world. Like if you're a theater and you receive and you put out a call for, you know, ten minute plays, and you get this really amazing five minute play that you want to produce, are you going to say we're not going to do this play because it's not ten minutes, or are you going to say this is so good, we'll do this one even though it's not ten minutes? Submit another play then. Save that five. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Submit another 10 pages and save that one for another thing. I don't know because I I don't know. I, I think because they're all given the same rules. They're all given the same standard. They're all like given mm-hmm. and and it's just like why not have that same quality but transfer it in – the actual work, the hard work of it. Like, yeah, it's like 10 pages might be so hard for you, but I, I don't know. I just rather see the work, the hard work and the effort more mm-hmm. than the talent. Because I think that 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 habit, that thing is important because no matter what you do, writing or not, it's transferable like in everything mm-hmm. so that having that like ethic, meeting meeting the specifications specification the work ethic like just overcoming that challenge let's build mm-hmm. that up because then then you'll you'll succeed in everything else and then and i'm sure that remarkable beautiful five pages it's gonna always live within you and you just now could apply it even more but i don't know I don't know either. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I just think grades are a terrible idea to begin with. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. They're used totally. I don't think they really teach people very much. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but it's the system we're stuck with, I guess. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I just dropped a paper clip. <laughs> um, I was thinking, did you hear? I don't know if you're the one who told me this, but did you hear about how younger, um, uh, like elementary schools, their teachers are wanting to put more play? into oh, really? like like I no homework that. assignments like no homework right. assignments and you just like come to school to learn and then you don't go home with homework i think something. most of the research shows that homework is not really valuable until like the fourth or fifth grade anyway mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't have many benefits for younger children yeah i remember getting because when you're younger children, like, I don't know yet about managing my time. <laughs> like, oh, right. time is just so different for kids. <clears throat> and I remember, I want to say it was like third or fourth grade when we had to do all these <clears throat> reports assignments. Mm-hmm. As a young child, I was like staying up till 2 a.m. to finish. Oh, my God. And I remember my grandma, my my mom would just be like by my bedside, by my desk and just like giving me snacks. And I'm like, you can do it. I'm like, this is <laughs> like i'm like like we were and it's all handwritten because you're, there's no computers yeah you know mm-hmm. that young and i'm just like handwriting some historical story about abraham lincoln or something you know do this report and i'm like and my, my grandma's like feeding me fruits and my mom is like giving me water and i'm like how is this okay <laughs> like I, i'm like yeah and I'll just remember that's thinking, like child abuse making a child stay up till two in the morning <laughs> It's like where's that teacher? No, the teacher. Was, I mean, like obviously the teacher was like, I she assigned this report or whatever a month ago. <laughs> like, as a kid, I'm like, 
I don't know yeah. how to do like, and then knowing like, oh my God, it's due in three days. I didn't know how to manage my time to get prepping for myself to get ready for this report. And then day comes, I have to write it all in one night. Like, Right. Well, and then you think about kids who like don't have somebody at home who's going to like feed them fruits and water and like tell them it's going to be okay, who just like wouldn't do it, you know? And, and what, and so you're not really, you're not teaching the kid who doesn't do it anything other than you, like you fail. Yeah. Um, (sighs) Yeah. This whole public education is just wackadoodle. Um, With that said, Playwriting rocks. <laughs> Playwriting class rocks. Do you think that experience staying up till two in the morning writing about Abraham Lincoln made you a better artist? <laughs> made me a better artist. Yeah. Um, if anything, it just made me not want to per- like try my best not to procrastinate. <laughs> like I'm, I have this like anxiety now that yeah. Like as soon as I get an email, I answer right away. Like because I don't want to like linger or something. Like I have this now. Everything I do is a little anxious. I mean, I'm planning a wedding a year in advance, <laughs> like more than a year in advance. I mean, less than a year now. Less than a year now, but I have everything all pretty much set now because I was oh my god, I was just like I'm not gonna have anything. I'll, I'll, the time will come and I'll be meeting. I'll like forget and I don't know. Now I'm just I'm a nervous wreck all the time. Wow. Who was a teacher? All because of that third grade. What's her name? Experience. I think it was like Romero or something. Miss Romero. But, you know, honestly, it's, I'm sure it's not her fault. It's probably the requirements of the school. Yeah, probably. Alrighty. Well. Glistens. Glistens. Um, do you want, should I start? I'll start. Yeah, you start. Um, so. I I don't I don't know if you guys follow me on social media or not. It's fine. Don't. I don't. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you do. I know you do. Um, I just signed up for my first like the CSA box, like farmers market box. I don't mm-hmm. know that uh, my future mother in law very um, had told me about and and learning from you. So I was just like what is this box that you get vegetables and fruits? And I signed up for it. Uh, and my, I signed up from this company called good life organics, but they connected with all these farmers and, and it's amazing. Like I got broccoli and I, it's like, it's like a a Christmas. (laughs) I mean, I'm like, you must have such good produce right now in California. Um, yeah, I think so. And, all year long, whatever. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, because um, there's no winter. Yeah, um, yeah. The produce is really good, and uh, I'm. I have all this fruits that I'm, I would never have thought of trying. I'm trying it, and I'm excited to make some meals with my veggies, and become a very healthy person. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I'm not doing weekly. I'm just doing bi-weekly because I just I I want I don't like wasting things, and I feel like I have a good feeling we're not going to finish all this fruits and veggies, even though it's like half order. Mm-hmm. We'll just see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm excited to try this out. Oh, and I renewed my library card, and I bought some books. Got some, got some books. <laughs> it was a very like it was a very yeah, 
very fun day for me. I also got a new library card. Oh. At the Belfast Public Library. Wow. And my lesson is also about food. I pre-ordered from my co-op five a five-pound box of wild blueberries. Wow. And picked it up on Monday. I know. So now I have five pounds of blueberries in my refrigerator. And I better need I better freeze them before they'll, you know, start rotting. Mm. I guess. Wait, five <laughs> five pounds of blueberries? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. You could make a pie. I know. Hi. Maybe I will. Well, <laughs> our listeners are like, listen to us talk about our listeners. I like, know. You guys are very They're exciting. Like, what is this? this? Very exciting. <laughs> it's the <a> simple things. <laughs> um, they want to be us. That's the best. Okay. Well, uh, well, that was our show. And we hope you enjoyed it. And as always, thanks everybody. Make sure to follow, share, subscribe, talk about us. Yeah, we want to hear from you. We have a Google alert. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye.